There you go. You will see me dancing across this stage one of these days up here. That music, I appreciate that, Josiah. Gets me wanting to move there. Yeah. Well, good morning. And we are continuing our series in good, the good and beautiful God. And James Bryan Smith states, God is good. The whole story, though, as we see, if, you, if we read Genesis 3 today, which we won't, we may touch it next week, comes this question, though, right? Is God good? Is God trustworthy? We're all in this mess because that an- they answered it. <laughs> they answered it wrong, okay? It's probably crossed every human's mind at some point. I may be wrong in this, but I'm going to guess that if, if, you, if you believe there is a God or you begin to wonder if there is a God, to ask the question, is he good? At least good all the time. Maybe it's good part of the time, but it's conditional. I don't know. Have you ever been through a situation, maybe this week, maybe in recent history, that's made you doubt God's goodness? In a world full of evil, we could preach a whole series on that, or at least one big sermon, <laughs> or pain and suffering, some question whether God is really all that good. But throughout Scripture, the word good is a consistent description of the nature and the actions of God. Genesis 1, the Bible's earliest revelation about God and in, in the conversation about or his, the, the recording of what he thought of creation is it was good. It was, it was just good. First, uh, first Corinthians, uh, Genesis 1 said, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. I'm just going to read the last few verses. We're not going to read the whole thing. He said, In our likeness so that we, he may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every seed that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that what, all that he, was, he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. It was very good. Not just good at the end. He said good along the way, but then all of a sudden at the end, it's just very good. Very pleasing. James 1 says in the New Testament that every good, already quoted here, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, which from, the, from, the, from whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. If a gift is good, it ultimately comes from God, the unchanging God. The Greek there is agathos, meaning it describes 
that which originates from God is in, and is empowered by Him in our life through faith in Him. So what good comes out of us, anything that good comes out of us is through not only the, the faith we have in God, but by the empowerment of Him living in us, it can be good. What if you believe that God was good all the time? And you know there's a saying used to be in church a lot, I think it's actually in the book, Good and Beautiful God. <clears throat> People would quote it, we haven't done it in years, and I won't do it here, but just, you know, be that God is good. I told you not to do it. I told you don't. No. And all the time, God is good. We, we, we said that you'd hear it over and over and over. But what if you really believed that? What if you really believed every situation you were putting in life that it was good? That God allowed you to be there for whatever, however it ended up being there, that it was good? Because see... I think we wrestle with this, and we're going to talk about some of the hurdles of understanding good. Is that I think sometimes we don't realize that, that good is an attribute of God. It is intrinsic to Him. It's an inherent in Him. It is who He is. It's not going to, like us, we have a tendency to put the human thought on God like it's conditional, right? But what if we really believed that God was good. Have you ever had this thought? Man, if I would have just known God then, like I know Him now, boy, howdy, things would be different. If I'd had the confidence that He is who He says He is then. But I also suspect today that some of you have walked in today going, I used to think God was good all the time. But I can't find him anywhere now. In the middle of all this. And I'm just not sure. So some challenges, right? I understand, and I, and I agree with James Brian Smith. God is good, but I also know that I, 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 I live in a world that if we're thinking about God, we're questioning that at times. Good people, when I say good, we'll define that, huh? But people who are, who are sincere question that, let alone those who are trying to prove there is no God. So let's dive off into that today. Some of the challenges, and then we'll come back around and I hope before you leave here today, you are convinced that God is good. But I want to talk about a couple of, a few challenges that I see when it comes to understanding this good. And I'm sure there's a lot more hurdles to this, but here's a few I'm going to throw at you. Not in any order, but the first one is this. What is good? What, what is good? Who, who is good? Is it Mother Teresa or is it? Versus Adolf Hitler, is that what we're balancing? That, is that the scale we're working on here? Uh, of one extreme to another extreme? Is, is that how we look at it? But I think if we really think about the concept of good, it's sort of a moving target for most of us. For instance, from our early childhood, it's the good versus naughty that's ingrained in our psyche, Right? 
Sometimes before any eternal truth is driven or embedded into our thoughts, Santa Claus becomes the thing we think about the most. And it's this thought, good versus not so good, right? Naughty versus nice. And everything is bent on on Christmas. The big payoff Christmas morning is based on what? Whether or not you have been good. So we get this in our thought, and we, we raise our kids, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids. I'm just saying it's embedded there sometimes before there's even deep scriptural truths. That this is based on what? Whether you're good or not good, or you're better than someone else. Or we look at it from this standpoint. I'm good because I could have been worse. (laughs) I'm good because other people are worse. I'm good because I can get other people feeling good about me or thinking I'm good. However, I think most of us would agree in here today, it's not quite the same as when we start describing the whole idea of good, right? Most of us would say, I I don't think that's right. You know, we have a saying in the South, he's a good old boy, Dukes of Hazzard. But we also had a saying in the South, he's a good old boy, there just ain't no great demand for good old boys anymore. (laughs) Or the good old boy club. Usually nowadays we'd say this good old boy club, that is pretty concerning, right? Most of us would say, okay, the good old boy club is not a good club for everyone else, maybe for the boys in it. (laughs) But we also have a natural tendency to define good and how it affects us. I see you good or not good to the degree that I am happier or more content because of you. So I become the point of reference for goodness. And and the happiness of everyone else, I'm really not that concerned about because I'm more concerned about whether you're doing me right and doing me good. Sometimes we know there are things that are good at one time. Maybe even better than good at one time. But next time, not so much. Sometimes they may even come obsolete. How many of you are still using an iPhone 4? Because 5, 6, 7, and 8 came along, right? iPhone 4 seemed like the best of the best. How could you ever get any better than that? But 5, 6, 7 comes along, and somehow or another, in comparison, I... I used to think, I used to think that being able to be connected to everyone by cell phone would be, was a great thing. I have changed my mind on that. <laughs> the internet used to be great, and it's still got great qualities, but man, can it be bad. So what we consider good, even in a moment, sometimes for some of us, these short-term goods can lead to long-term devastation and its consequences. It just seemed good. It seemed right because in that moment, it just felt good. But the devastation of it long-term was not so good. 
The criteria I used from the age of about 20 to 25 or 26 of all, of all my friends and who I thought were good friends changed as time went on. Especially after I came to know Christ and began to look at what good friends and what that meant. It meant self-sacrificing, unconditional love. So what we consider good is a moving target. Scripture tells us that we were created in the image of God. I just read it to you. But man alive, if you look around at humanity and go, where is the good? And unfortunately for us, we are tainted by the sin that distorts everything else. It distorts the image of God in us. Many of you have seen me use the broken mirror many times in different settings with, with the fact that it was we, it broke a mirror many times I have here. And I say many times up here, but I have used many times. And it is that looking at it and seeing the reflection of God before the fall. We were to reflect the image of God. In other words, when we walk through the... When, 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 when the animals saw Adam, sometimes they had to do this one thing like this going, man, is that God or Adam? That's what we were intended to be. That was our purpose. But after that mirror, psh, broken. It's hard to see the image of God, reflection of God. But what I will give you hope today is when it's broken, if you continue to follow after him and cry out to him and walk by obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you this, he starts putting those pieces back together again. And in those moments, even in your broken pieces, the reflection of God can come through. have a problem defining good. Another challenge we have is that many times there is not a why. W-H-Y is just because my accent sometimes gets me in trouble. There is not a why to our suffering. Because we want an answer to suffering. Why are you allowing this to happen, God? And no doubt, some of our suffering comes from our own bad choices. It's easy for us to figure out. Even though we may have a tendency to tell God, I'm going to make bad choices, but I need you to have good, good, good results. Could you work that out for me? But somehow or another, that doesn't work. We have suffering many times because other people make bad choices. We have suffering because at least what we believe, we live in a fallen world. So yes, cancer and mudslides and all those things happen, earthquakes happen to good people. In fact, that's the other one, is that good people can make good choices, what we would call, everyone may agree they're good choices, but they end up with bad circumstances. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But here's the problem with that. It's easy for me to tell you and you're suffering that passage of Scripture, but what about when I'm in the middle of my suffering? Scripture tells us in the shortest verse in the Bible, I think Jesus wept. Jesus understood the suffering. Jesus feels our pain. 
But he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And for me, I'm not so sure that suffering, it's the suffering that destroys us, but it's the lack of meaning in suffering that just drives us crazy. If we knew why, it might be easier to move forward. If we just knew why. My brother wrote a thing years ago It's called The City Call Why, and he says this, he said, you can visit that city, but you better not take up residence because you can die there. You can visit it, but if you take up residence in Why, you can die internally there. It's your soul death. I was reading Job this week. After all, what I thought was interesting, the whole book of Job, and there's a lot of things, and of course, ultimately, God just says, oh, Job, Job, where were you when I did this? Job, Job where were you? And I said, said the water, the waves stop here. Where, where were you, Job? What I think is interesting about the book of Job, God never really answers why. Of all the suffering and, and he's used and there's this great stage that he's on and he doesn't even know he's on. And I, I just wrote this down. I don't know if it even makes sense to you, but how many of us would say that true love is good? I would think most of us in here would say, man, if I had true love, true, true love, it's good. But here's the problem. Most of us don't have suffering unless there's loss, right? Or there's at least anticipated loss. And we only experience suffering and loss when there is love. The only person that can really break my heart is the one who has my heart. I love what Irv McManus says, suffering is not the enemy of love, it is the result of love. Let me say that again. Suffering is not the enemy of love, it is the result of love. You love something enough, and you love it unconditionally, let me tell you something, it's risky. It is so risky. Even when you send your son to die on the cross, it's risky. To love, truly love, means that suffering very well may be attached to it. Because if you don't care, you won't suffer much. You may be suffering and not know it, but I'm just saying, if you don't really care, you won't suffer much. The third thing I would just say here is, and it's really a problem for us, we have an eternal God, the great I am. I was, I am, and I will be. That's a problem for us in this sense. We have to interact with an eternal God. We have the pleasure to do it. I don't mean that in a have to in the, in the negative sense. I'm just saying... And, and here's the problem most of us have on forever versus eternal. 
you know, they have, they're synonymous in so many ways, but they are different. Forever refers to an endless or seemingly endless period of time. Eternal means always lasting without a beginning or end. In other words, existing outside of time. We can't think that out. We can't process that. You're not capable of understanding that. That something always was and something will always be. And he invites us to, even though we had a beginning, we get to live for eternity? So if we don't understand who God is, that He is eternal, then what we end up doing is reflecting on Him those things of the human heart, the things of the human mind. Which means for most of us, even concerning suffering, I want to know why now, today. I don't know about you, when I go to the movies, I hate to get there late. I hate to walk into a movie that's already six or seven minutes into the movie because there's a chance I'm playing catch-up the rest of the movie. Ever been there? Something happened in that first five or six minutes that I'm chasing the rest of of the deal. Or you're in the middle of it and you have to go to the bathroom. How many of you have ever done that? You're sitting there going, no, I'm going to try, but I got, because I'm afraid if I go. The most important thing is going to happen while I'm gone, and the person I went with is not very good at describing to me what just happened. Then they tell me after the movie, and it's too late, and I'm still chasing. Or be like someone taking you. I've never seen The Lord of the Rings. Okay, but I think it's about a 12 to 13 hour trilogy if you put it all together. And if you took me and set me down for 30 seconds in the movie or the series Lord of the Rings and and asked, let's say 15 seconds and said, come on out, Kurt, tell us all about the movie. That's the problem with us interacting with an eternal God. We only get a fragment. We only see what we see in that moment. And I can tell you what I saw in that moment, but I can't tell you the whole thing. What if? What what if you truly believed that there was a God who was good and He is eternal and He has seen the days that are past and He sees the days that are in front of you and He has a tremendous plan for you and all He's trying to do is get you involved in it. And everything He does is good. It's good. And he has a great purpose, and it hasn't been stolen from you. Oh, it may have taken a detour. I'm not saying that. But your purpose is still there. You're still breathing. He has a great purpose for you. How would it be different if you saw life that way? Let me say this. I am convinced that God is good. Back to Genesis 131. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And I'm inclined to agree with him. I'm inclined to believe that the grace I've been allowed to enjoy for the past even five minutes, my heart beating, 
my ability to breathe, my ability to read, my ability to walk is more evidence than I need to convince myself that he is good. And I know that some of you would say today, or some would say, and we've talked about it already on suffering, that how could a good God allow this to happen? And I want to make sure you hear from me today. I would never take anyone's pain and losses lightly. Ever. 25 years of ministry, I've walked side by side with people who have had tremendous loss. And to be honest with you, I've had personal loss, devastating loss, even recently loss. And I don't know about you, but I have a bent to look more of what's missing than what I have. I think it's a natural bent many of us have. Not everybody. I, I love people who, who have such an optimistic view. I do think they probably don't have all the marbles there or they'd really be where I am. You know, they just don't realize how bad life is. But especially during the winter the spiritual winter season. You know what I'm talking about where all the leaves are falling off and it doesn't look like anything's growing. In those moments, but the reality is I'm surrounded by an absolutely staggering abundance of blessing. But again, my problem is not new. I read in the Old Testament, you know the Israelites' number one category in the Psalms was complaining. <laughs> so it's not new. It's just not new. Yet I got up this morning and gravity worked perfectly again. The sun was still just the right distance from the earth to keep me from freezing even though some of you would say maybe it changed a little bit this morning it was a little cooler or kept us from frying and throughout this morning I've been able to enjoy all kinds of experiences like tasting the coffee or smelling the pork that was cooking in my garage for dinner on the grounds all night and by the way let me encourage this to be a part of Den on the Grounds. It's something, I don't know if we'll do it forever here at Renovation, but it is something we continue to do. It is a place to connect, a place to sit around and just laugh and get to know each other. I just want to encourage you to be a part of that after this service, if you could, even if you're new. I know it feels a little strange walking in, but just encourage you to do that. I got to see the sunrise over the superstitions as I was coming in this morning. To hear the music and sing and to feel a touch of handshakes and hugs of people that I genuinely have tried to walk this journey out with and some I've just met for the first time. And you look around and many times I consider, boy, I can't wait to retire someday. How many of you ever think about that? But the one thing I don't really think about is someday I hope I don't work anymore. Because even in the garden, as I read this this morning, I thought, you know, and I read it this week, work is a gift of God. Hard things are a gift from God. 
Hard things are not things that we should take maybe even... They're from God. Because great things happen through having to push through. Great things happen through perseverance. Great things happen through grit. That's how God changes, how He transforms us. How we accomplish things together and sweat together. and Man, I just think it's a good thing. It's so good. But let me say this. No matter how we define good as humans, and no matter how good we think we are, whether we're Mother Teresa, we still needed a Savior. No matter how good and how you define it. And what I love when we talk about who God is, is God good? I love what John 14, 5 through 11 says. Thomas said to Jesus, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to who? The Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. You, you, you do know him and have seen him. He goes on to tell Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Goodness became flesh. As Josiah said earlier, and moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) Could God really be like Jesus? That we, God the Father? I mean, could he be, could this God that we serve be the God that pays full attention to the ignored and the despised, to the prisoner and to the sick, to the one that would stoop and wash the feet of those who are about to betray him and those who are about to deny him. Could could the God that we serve and know could? He'd be the one on the cross that dies on our behalf. And says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a God. Romans 2, 4, and I don't have it up on the screen. He says, or do you, desp- or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-serving, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to Repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws us back to Him. It's the goodness of God that makes us understand who He is. But I love Ephesians 2.10 said, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Leave that on the screen for a second. A few years ago, I, many years ago, I, heard, I read a story, heard it from Tony Campolo, had a chance to meet him many times, but a story in his book, It's Friday, but Sunday's Coming, tells about him in an orphanage in Haiti many years ago. They were starting an orphanage. They were talking to the Catholic priest in these slums and said, hey, we're going to come and get these, we're going to bring a bus and we're going to get the orphans and we're going to take them to our orphanage. And in this orphanage, you know, we are going to, to help these young people get, I mean, help these kids. And they got to the to the, to the slums, and there were not 50 kids. There were 200 kids. But they could only take 50. 
And as they began to load up 50 of those orphans onto their bus, he looks out there, and, and Tony says he's looking out there going, this, this, is, this can't be right, we, we can't take you anymore, but here, here are these 150 or four times what we thought, and there they are. And he said, as we loaded, he said, I was just torn inside going, we're leaving these kids. He said, but as we were loading and starting to leave, they started to sing this song. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He said, I didn't want to hear it. He said, I thought, stop singing Stop it. How can you sing that? I'm, we're leaving you here. And he said, they went into the next chorus, said, God loves me so. God loves me so. God loves me so. He's so good to me. He said, he just said out loud, God, God is not good. God, God doesn't love you. He's leaving you in these slums. That's not, that's not right. And he said, all of a sudden it hit him. That God does love them. And God does have a plan for them. And God's plan for them is through you and I. Is it how God is able to show the people around the world in your neighborhood, in your family, is through us. So many times. That he is good. And he's calling us to a great purpose. And he's calling us to say, I cry out to you, God, to use me however you want to use me. But he is good. He's just trying to get our attention, as we talked about last week. And change us. To follow his purpose. I love what Philip Yancey says. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come on down. And we're going to close. Just those who want to come to the altar, you can. But just going to sing as a song of commission. If we can. Philip Yancey says, I must admit that Jesus has revised in my flesh many of my harsh and unpalatable notions about God. Why am I a Christian? I sometimes ask myself, and to be perfectly honest, the reasons reduced to two. The lack of good alternatives. Have you ever done that deduction? <laughs> and Jesus. Brilliant, untamed, tender, creative, slippery, irreducible, paradoxically humble. Jesus stands up to scrutiny. He is who I want my God to be. I think one of the big challenges for all of us, again, is being able to get up every day, whatever that day holds, to say, I know this. I serve an eternal God who's moving back through history who knows each day but asked me to join him and he's made a pathway 
He didn't say the pathway is some on high, like we've said before, not on some high mountain somewhere that I've got to figure out how to scale to it and I've got to work my way to. No, the way came to us. Goodness in the flesh. So the way's easy, if you will. And I've said this before. Even coming to Christ cost you nothing, but it also cost you everything. <laughs> and as we journey through this book, I hope in this series, I hope you look at this in such a way that you understand the attributes we're bringing to you are not conditional. They are who God is. And in turn, if we are in His image, we get a chance to live that out. One of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness. Is goodness. To do good. That's our encouragement. That is our hope for our church.